host, Lisa Cordoff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. Great to be speaking to Nat Kringudis. Hey, Nat. I am so happy to be here. Last time we did something, it was actually on my couch. <laughs> We've done a few things on your couch, actually. We actually have. You've been to my Brisbane couch. Yes. It's the same couch, just different <laughs> cities. <laughs> um, so we've done some pretty funny things and they seem to work. Maybe you should look into that a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> we really should. I know. Like now I'm thinking what's possible? The Nat Nat K, Lisa C. Yeah. Okay, but right now, the reason why and I was just saying this to you before, like, what are we talking about again? And I think we I, I reached out to you to be on the podcast because it was something that I'd shared and I was thinking, was it that I'd shared that I'm getting help around the house or was it that I'm dating? and stuff and that I'd experienced a bit of backlash on both of those things. Um, not like the dating thing wasn't backlash. It was more like, Oh, you know, if people judge you, just be cool with that. I'm like, um, are you, <laughs> I'm not too sure what that means. People like, yeah, are you that person? I'm not too sure, but thank you. Um, I'm not caring really. <laughs> and, and you were like, did people really say something? And I think, and so I was like, yeah, why does this happen? Why are we hard on other women for doing things their way? And and I think that was when I reached out to you. I'm like, Maybe. we should jam on this. Yeah, we should totally jam on this. Well, you know what's interesting? I think two things, just to add to that. We've never had, we've got keyboard warriors all of a sudden, right? Oh, so yes. that's the first thing I think that people say stuff that they probably wouldn't ordinarily say to your face, but they feel like the filter is, the keyboard. Yes. And so that they are entitled yeah. <laughs> to say something because they obviously have an opinion of that. Now, I always think, hang on, if that, that's triggering you, well, you've, you've got to have a look at what's going on there for yourself. Like, what is that teaching you? And if you are the sort of person that's listening to this and you're thinking, oh, gosh, I don't mean to do it, but I do that. Like, I get a reaction. Obviously, it's a physical reaction because a physical reaction comes before the emotional one does. Mm. Then maybe you can stop and have some perspective and go, hang on a minute, what is this telling me about myself? So I think that's one reason why people say things. But then there's definitely um, judgment. I mean, we're all judging all the time, right? We judge. All the time. Yeah, we're judgment-making machines. Yeah, Right. That's what humans do. We're humans. Mm. So... I guess that yeah, on some level there is this judgment and I always think, I always just wonder, is it because it triggers somebody because they wish it was them? Mm. Like why her? Why not me? Because really the only other, uh, the other side of that is, oh, my goodness, I'm so inspired by you. I'm so excited that you're doing this. I want to learn more about it. Yeah. That's what I would be saying in this situation of a cleaner or, you know, that you're in a position where you're, you're meeting people and that's meeting people to me is very exciting. I love meeting new people. Mm. Um, and so I would look at that and go, that's awesome. But somebody maybe who doesn't have the liberty to do that, maybe they're in a situation that doesn't, you know, their partner or their person doesn't 
see the need for that or whatever it might be, I think maybe on some level they're going, well, I want that too, but I can't have it. So let's just retaliate. Yeah. We have to be so conscious of our triggers. We've all got triggers. There's things that trigger me for sure and bring out that. Oh, you're not perfect. Damn. Oh, no, weird. (laughs) Weird. I'm actually not. But that actually brings up an interesting point. Do you think, because you're very, um, you're very honest, um, relatable, um, authentic online. Like, you know, I think people, I think that's why people really enjoy following you is because they, they get a sense of you. So do you feel like, because, and, and, and being in that natural medicine kind of world, do you get much, you know, how are you received by women sometimes? Like what are things that in your community um, can sometimes trigger those, like, I think it used to happen more. I think because I care less now, it happens less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It did. It used to happen far more than it happened did it? now. Yes, yes. Let's get a lot more resistance. I don't know whether or not my the people that didn't like what they were seeing have just fallen away and unfollowed, yeah. and that's fine because yeah. not everybody's for everybody, or whether or not... Um, I don't know. Have I got, I, I, or people are more on board. Or I, I'm not sure, but it did used to happen a hell of a lot more than it happens now. And truly, it was because I stopped caring what people, I mean, yeah. I, I, I care to a degree what people would think, um, but I don't, it's their, it's their stuff. And so the mm-hmm. biggest challenge I now face if, when I am being real is people thinking I'm losing my mind, like, or are you okay? Like, and it'll wow. be a loved one or a family member if I'm, completely honest online and I say, you know what, I've got a smile on my face but I've had the worst couple of days and I'm not saying it for any other reason than to be able to say to the audience, hey, me too. Yes. No. Yes, 100%. I'm not saying it because I want you to give me sympathy or any other reason. It's just to go, hey, I'm real too. You know, we all have problems or we all have bad days or sometimes it's not all bunny lambs and unicorns and so I think bunny lambs aren't a thing. Bunny rabbits? I'm not too sure where you got that, but I was just going to let it slide because maybe <laughs> it's a thing in your circles. No, it's not. It's bunny rabbits and unicorns. Anyway, so <laughs> it's so funny. So I think that, that that's the biggest thing I get now is I actually stop and think, oh, goodness, can I be bothered with all the text messages that I'm going to oh, get so because much. I'm fine. It's just it's just reality. That's all it is here. Um, that That's the one thing now that really makes me filter um, what I put out there. And then also the other challenge that I have is that my audience is getting younger and younger. So I want to be able mm. to put, well, because I'm trying to really um, – have these conversations with young women. Yes. I need yeah. to be really mindful about that too. Yeah. Right. There's such a responsibility piece, isn't there? It really is. And I think if you are anyone that has anyone that has a social media account is of yeah. influence, right? You are influencing people all the time with what you're sharing, what you're saying, how you're acting online. We have a social and moral responsibility, I think, to be um, mindful at any point as to what we're putting out there. And I really don't think that, I don't know that everybody gives it enough thought. It is such a privilege to be able to have a platform like that, to Mm. be able to share with people, answer questions, educate people, share information. I I think that gets overlooked. 
Yeah, totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I it was just International Women's Day a few days ago, and I was all the all the feels like watching, looking at all the posts, and doing, and just looking at the way that pe- these women with influence were all, were sharing and promoting other women who inspire them, and you know the sisterhood and all of that sort of stuff. And just like with everything, there's always like the the shadow and 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 the light and you know and i i was thinking a lot about um how in those moments of solidarity we are so strong as a collective but then we also have this ability to just kind of tear each other down there was literally i was just having a coffee this morning at a uh, at a cafe and there was this mom she had a newborn i think she was with her parents or a parents-in-law and a toddler and the the toddler spilt the baby chino all over the table and this mum just like grabbed the napkins just you know just quietly and surely tidying up the mess for the billionth time that day and myself and another mum I felt us both just look at this woman and we just gave that that nod of you know you're doing great I'm with you like you know power to you, sister. We've been there. And there was um, a a younger couple (laughs) who looked over and were just kind of like, like almost horrified at, at what had happened. And it's like, you can't, that strength and, and I, and so it it was just, I just sat there and I knew we were going to be having this conversation. And I was thinking, what is it about, is it, is it, I don't want to say that motherhood is a leveler, but what is it that connects us as women and and gives us those moments of so because i mean you know i've gone through a lot this last 12 months this last few years and really it's the women it's my witches around me it's that sisterhood that has gotten me through and it's so powerful but does it exist everywhere is it like and and why are we sometimes our own worst enemies? Like I know you post sometimes photos, and I'm talking too much right now, and this is too much for you to answer. But um, you know, when you do your um, fasting challenges and you post photos of yourself, like I, I watch people, and it's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to pose. It's not about body image. It's about how I feel. It's about how strong I am. Blah blah. blah. And these women who are following you and most probably really adore what you say, just find a reason. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like weight to make women really hate. Like, oh yes, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think there's a few things that really divide people: the obvious conversations, politics, women, mm. and, and there's weight. <laughs> yeah, and weight is in there as well. <laughs> um, mm. And I, again, it's it's it, it's a reaction. They're having a reaction to something that triggers them. Because I will admit that I will want to find I'm that person I always need to go oh why why would that you know watching for example 50 shades of gray I wasn't interested in the raunch part I needed to know why he was behaving like that I'm like why would someone do that like <laughs> what that's truly I I had I spent read all of those books to try and work out why does he what's wrong with him like um and so then I got to the bottom of that and I was satisfied. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, he just needs a big, he just needs to live in a love bubble for a bit. But um, 
<laughs> Everyone else is just like soft porn. I know. I'm like, like, why does he need that? Like, you know, <laughs> I'm always about that. I do that in yeah. practice all the time. And so these people that were triggered, that's a really good, that's the last probably controversial post that I put up. Um, and I have tried to be, I try and be controversial, let me just tell you, because that's fun. And, you know, like we get some healthy conversation going and I can yes. generally navigate the audience to all play nice in the schoolyard with that. Um, but I go and have a look at the people that are commenting negatively or you stalk them. Yep. You're a stalker. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I just try and understand a little bit more about what's going on. And, you know, I, I look at their posts and I try and work out if I can see it, maybe I can't and that's fine. Um, but there's a level of pain often that, that you can see mm-hmm. that they're carrying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, I have this motto, I have always had this motto, whether it's in business or wherever, kill them with kindness. So mm-hmm. I, will, I will make it my mission to, to generally try and win their love and, and just approach it with love always. Um, and if you do that, it dissolves things very quickly. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that to me is the reason why we tend to react is because we've got some level of pain that's not resolved and we need to look into what that's telling us. Oh, I just so agree with you because, and don't you see it in all areas of our lives, we just project our own trauma or pain onto other people because it's unresolved within us. Absolutely. I mean, if I think of some standout times and the kids are great for this and to answer your question about, I think children give us a new plane, a different another layer as such. Um, of knowing we have no control. Right, of lots of things. But, yes, and that it's not all like we can't do everything ourselves. Yes. Um, that we need to call on the sisterhood. Um, mm. That it makes no sense to try and to try and do all that on your own anyway, really, does it? Mm. Like, I mean, that's just exhausting. Um, but what was I going to say? I was going somewhere with that with the kids, new level, oh, a new level of awareness and them, oh, the triggers that they've brought up for me. So, for example, starting school, Mm -hmm. I hated primary school. I've actually done a whole lot of therapy recently. I thought I, I'm one of those people, I'm like, I'm happy, I'm good, no problem. But, you know, things come out as you get older, especially this time in our lives. And I've just gone and I'm currently doing a whole lot of therapy around primary school because, it turns out I really hated it and that has come up for me with the kids starting school right? and the whole friendships and the, the dynamics and, oh, mate, have I had to do some healing and checking in with that to be able to not continue that pattern and not project that. And as try as you might to not project onto your kids, unless you work it out within you, you're going to project it. You can't help it. Energetically, that's just what is happening. It might be yeah, a watered-down version, but yes. it's still in your DNA. So mm. I've done a lot of work around that of late. And then school camp. Livy just recently went on school camp and I was very, I put so much information out there about that because I was highly anxious um, because I hated school camp. I hated school camp. And Livy doesn't like school camp and hadn't from the beginning. And, and, you know, what was interesting is when she went on her first school camp three years ago, I didn't prepare her. I didn't say anything because I'm like, I don't want to project anything. I didn't say to her, you might not be able to sleep at night. What are you going to do if you can't? I didn't prepare her at all. And she had an awful time, like awful. She came home and she's like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, okay, I probably could have done a better job. But (laughs) 
I felt like I was doing the best thing at the time. Yeah. Anyway, so it's been a process at every camp since. It hasn't gotten any better. And this last camp um, was particularly bad. We were both crying in the schoolyard when she left. And I was, I was fine up until the point of getting her there. And once I got her there and she was beside herself, then I, I was like, right, I can't, I can't put this together anymore. This is hurting. Um, but we did it. And, and we've got some funny stories as, as to how we did that. And, you know, we got there and she's stronger for it and I'm definitely stronger for it. But there was a part of healing in me that had to happen by her doing that as well, which is, yes. again, it's about the, the sisterhood, the community. Um, and, yeah, children just show us a different perspective of, of things that we never knew about ourselves or the rest of the world. And I think it's, there's an element of taking responsibility for it, isn't it? If you find, if you're finding yourself being triggered, if you're finding yourself, you know, looking at other women, comparing yourself all the time or getting into your perfectionist stories or getting into your self-worth stories, it's like, how long are you willing to tolerate that level of torture for yourself? Because that's really what it is. Like, what are you going to do for yourself to start addressing some of these reasons? And I think we get so used to those. And I, you know, teach people in Ready for Change. Like, those responses are just, they're just habitual thoughts. Your brain is just, it's just wired to think them. And so something has to happen in order to rewire or to, you know, choose and to start a new path and repeat a new story to yourself. Um, and, and I think that unless you're actually aware of that, aware that your triggers are these habitual responses to certain things that can actually be changed, then you're going to be always at a whim. We'll always be kind of tearing each other down. We'll be projecting our own trauma and pain onto other people because we think that's who we are or like we think we have no choice or we're not kind of conscious to our own stuff. And that's why I genuinely think the biggest, the best thing that we can do for our children is to work on ourselves, not like make our whole lives about them, but actually take responsibility for our own shit so that we can then like navigate our lives with more grace, which will mean being able to sort of objectively help them. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the other thing that I'm, I say all the time is that we are such an example to them as well. So if we're, you know, fallen apart and that's what they're seeing, um, and, you know, we try and hide it too, don't get me wrong, we try and shelter them and we try and pretend that it's all good. And that doesn't do them any service either no. because nothing's good all the time. And so it's interesting because... Um, my husband is very much, his parents never fought in front of him. They were, he just thought mm. normal is happy all the time. Mm. So when it, emotions come up, they are huge because it's not normal to have them. And I'm like, but it's not normal to not have them. So, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, just, you know, I know we're getting into parenting 101 now, but but it's so important. We do lead by example, and I think we need to be able to be, yes, the best version of ourselves, but um, to remember that they're always watching. So it's it's our um, it's our responsibility to be looking at what triggers us, what we need to heal, so that we're not continuing to create those ha um, habits or uh, belief systems for the next generation and the next generation. Yeah. And do you know, in terms of <clears throat> like them observing 
and you being a why person, like why is this happening for them? Because I, I do, I do think that uh, if we want to create, to you know, not we can't create our, you know, the next generation, but we can influence them, and and I want them, and I think we all want them to have this sense of the sisterhood, and and there is this collective rising consciousness that. And there's a, a a change going on where we're like, um, this this is not working for health and happiness. Um, anyone else noticing this? And so we want that for our girls. And so something that I always do, you know, if, if they if there's a she didn't play with me or she well, why do you think that is? You know, how was she feeling that day? And do you try to help? Do you try to help your kids? Kind of, um, I guess not go into their own victimhood, but maybe just try and understand that it's got more to do with the other person? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I know, again, I really struggled with this when I was little. Um, I went to a very small primary school. There were 35 students when I first started there. Get out. What? Uh-huh, in the country. Um, but there were three grade six girls that graduated. Now, Grade six, two's company, three's absolutely a crowd and it was really challenging and I just remember I never actually identified as to what anxiety was maybe until a year or two ago. I never associated. I I had another name for it, I guess. I just didn't think that was anxiety. I don't know. Um, But I pretty much spent most of that time feeling anxious for lots of reasons because there were lots of rules. There were rules around how I played at school. There were rules around what I was allowed to think and uh, believe in and the way that life went. And so I think for me that was a challenge because I'm not actually that person that responds really well to rules. Mm. Um, Guidelines, I like guidelines, but rules, no. So, you know, really interesting because, again, like you said, it just comes back up again and now Livy's going through exactly the same thing and trying to help her navigate that. you know, has been very challenging because we are not the same people. She's on another planet most of the time. And I say that in a nice way, but she's really off with fairies in a very innocent, doesn't really know how her, she's not very worldly, um, but she's very, she's funny and she's um, quirky, but she just doesn't have an awareness of how her um, behaviour affects other people. So how do you teach that to someone who's not aware about of that? So these conversations I'm having with her are also, okay, of course, yeah, how would you feel if that was you? And, and you know, really going through all of that to try and give her some consciousness around what's actually she's experiencing and what's going on. Um, and it's been, it's been really challenging because the other little girls that she's really good friends with are her absolute opposite. Mm. So they're very, in, you know, um, in touch with, I don't know, I'd just say they're probably a little bit more mature than what Livy is. Um, so that's been interesting. But, you know, I'm certainly not that parent that marches up to the school and um, will pull aside teachers or kids or whatever and I'm like, okay, how do I get her school skills to navigate Yes, yes. Yeah. How do I? I, I want to fix it, don't get me wrong. I want to walk up there and go, let me make this better. Yeah. Um, but we can't do that. We can't do that because it's not teaching them the skills that they need. Well, there's parallels also to that in your work. Mm. You know, you would like for every single woman experiencing infertility or adrenal fatigue or all those sorts of things to just be like, I've got the answers. 
Like, come to mum and that. Yes. Like I will let me fix it for you. But but really at the end of the day, all you can do is be an example, share the information, equip with skills and knowledge, and then people will walk their path. But is that frustrating as fuck for you sometimes? Like, <laughs> like if we're talking about the sisterhood and you're talking about all of the um, I often think this about you, all the information that's out there that confuses us so much when it comes to understanding our bodies and, you know, where we go to seek advice from and, and where that's coming from. Like, do you spend a lot of your time quite frustrated at the state of <laughs> I used to and I used to trigger the heck out of me um and again it's one of those things I've surrendered to it's like I'm here when you want me and I'm certainly not you know I'm certainly not someone to preach it uh unless you want it yeah Uh, I can't and you know again I need to just be an example for people and if I can be an example and people feel inspired and then they want to learn more then they're going to ask but yes I used to get extremely frustrated at times I get frustrated I'm pretty frustrated with coronavirus right now. Let me just tell oh. you, the whole thing is just ridiculous. And I'm, I am going to actually get my knickers in and not about it on socials very soon and say that the media have a responsibility right now to actually turn this around. They do because they've, they've created it single-handedly. I, I, I genuinely, like, I don't get stuck for words very often, but with this stuff, has the world just gone crazy? Yep. Are, are we not seeing... Did we not learn anything from the Great Depression? (laughs) I know. But but, but really, like panic, like decisions. I I, I saw um, someone shared an Insta story of an international lounge at an airport, like empty. Right. I'm like, what you are going, what, what this is fueling is going to cause huge problems that we'll be recovering from for the next, you know, decade potentially if this really spirals out of control. And for what? Like take your vitamins, keep yourself as healthy as possible. Stress is going to make things fucking worse. Mm -hmm. So keep yourself well. Like, I don't, I mean, you're the health practitioner. I'm just making this shit up. But I just feel like the best thing I can do is not stress, um, eat some good food, like take care of myself during a winter season like I normally would. Right, because there's always going to be another virus that's there. Always around. will be. Oh <laughs> it's God. just so silly. It doesn't even make any sense to me. I'm like, we are the whole world's gone mad. I think, totally. we're fed, but we're fed the fears by the media. You know, yeah. I um, we had two uh, staff members that were um, right in the um, heart of where a lot of the bushfires were over Christmas. Um, one was in Malacuta. And so I was beside myself when I realised. I I was very, very sad. I couldn't work out what I could do. How could I be of support? How do you get on with your life when the rest of the world, the rest of the country, you know, how do you do that? And I decided that, well, I had a voice and I had a responsibility that I could I could create, I could, you know, um, I had to be the best version of myself, keep on going and create income and be able to support people that way. Um, what was interesting was, and yes, it's the, don't get me wrong, the nature of the bushfires is obviously there was a lot of um, danger involved with that. But when the girls came back to work, the one that was at Malakuta said to me, oh, it was not, I don't know why everyone was panicking. Yeah, okay, there was fires. She's like, but we were fine. And we never once didn't think we weren't going to be fine. We wow. all knew we were fine. Mm. Um, yes, we couldn't get out, but we knew someone would get us out. And, there, you know, so it was just interesting because the 
images that I had in my head based on what the media was saying is that there were people that were in the water trapped mm. on a beach that were being told there was someone read a tweet out that said we've just got asked to go under or we got told to go under the water now don't ask me how he had his phone if he was tweeting that doesn't really make sense uh, yeah but it was never that. It was never that. Now, I get that the bushfires are unpredictable and it was it was very scary for a lot of people, but the media didn't do any justice to the situation by fueling the fears. So I, there's got to be a shift with this stuff because, again, it's just ingraining or um, bringing up other emotions that probably aren't dealt with that we've, what we've been talking about already that trigger us. And then we go into this reactive state because that's innately, like you said, our, our, that's what our... our ancient brain does it sends you into fight or flight and it sends you in to save yourself and all of a sudden you've, you've now you've got 742 rolls of toilet paper that you don't know what you're going to do with it I mean the toilet paper thing I just <laughs> I really don't understand I just had to lend three rolls to a neighbor who went to three different supermarkets and was just hoping that there was going to be something Oh, look, I am really grateful for the toilet roll part just because my children use way too much, so it's teaching them to ration how much they use. I'm like, right, one square for a wee and two squares for a poo, okay? That's what we're doing here. And my niece my niece rang the other day and she's like, I'm really worried about Olivia with this toilet situation. I said, why? She said, because she uses so much toilet paper. Toilet paper. Toilet. I'm like, I know. But so, this is the thing also, like, what is it doing to our children? My kids are all down on, you know, I mean, my son was like, mum, COVID-19. I'm like, what? where did you even, we don't even turn the news on here. And yes. then, no, no, and then I, I had my who gives a crap orders come in because I bulk buy like, and, um, and I have done like, we buy a lot through co-ops, like everything comes really in bulk. But my daughter's like, you know, she sees it at the front door. She's like, she's seven. And she said, mum, that's panic buying. How do you know what panic buying is? And she said, you're panic buying toilet paper. I said, no, sweetheart, that's our subscription of toilet paper right there because this is what we this is what we do. We're lucky it's still on the doorstep and someone didn't actually pinch it because we're living with the crazies. Now I feel like I need to lock my shed up because <laughs> people might climb over the fence to get my toilet rolls. But, I mean... Yeah, I, I, it does. I that's what it is. It's doing exactly what we're talking about before. It triggers fear in people, yeah. and they don't. They've never been taught necessarily for whatever the fear might be how to how to look at that as a, such a gift to be able to move past it. But we're not taught this. No, we're not taught it, and and I think you know, in fairness, twenty twenty's been a bit of a what you know. <laughs> we had the bushfires. You know, I mean. Um, domestic violence was huge. You know, it just has felt like sort of, and now coronavirus, it feels like there was something else in there too. And we're just like one after the other, after the other. And really all we can do, you know, it was funny. I saw um, Russell Brand at Hamer Hall on, on Friday night, or Saturday night. He was so good, just FYI. I know. I really wanted to, I wanted to get him on a podcast, but anyway. Oh, that might have been Mm. <laughs> he's definitely got a presence um for sure uh and he was saying he said something really cool that um uh he said you don't need strategies you just need to make yourself ready and i feel like that is everything right there because 
you know, we can't, there's so much that we can't control. There's also so much that we, we want or dream of or plan for or whatever. And we're actually like, all we have to do is just get ourselves into a position where we're the best that we can be. And he's all about that spiritual sort of evolution. And he uses the 12 steps program as a way to describe that. Well, you know, that's what sort of helped him. But like even so with this Corona stuff, with the sisterhood, with all of that, it's like, check your own home first. Let's start there. Like how okay are you? Why are you flying off the handle? Why is she triggering you? Why is coronavirus keeping you up at night and making you panic by toilet paper? Like what's, what's going on with you? It starts and ends with you. We don't need all these, you know, you just need to make yourself ready for whatever is coming. And I was like, oh, that's such a tweetable if I had Twitter. Uh, (laughs) But do you know, like, don't you think like really all we can do? And it's exactly the same, you know, you would probably say the same thing about our bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, a baby will come, a baby won't come, just make yourself ready. Ready. Well, that's a great example actually because the amount of people that I see that are filling up their life with everything else because the baby's not coming. And I'm like, the baby's not going to come because there's no room for the baby to come. Like, you know, you've got to create the space for these things to happen. If you want something to happen in your life, you've got to create space for it, right? So Mm -hmm. whether it's physical or emotional or whatever that is, you've got to create space. So I don't think we're, again, um, I don't know that the majority of us have figured out that we need, it's okay to invite in what we want. It's okay to ask for what we want and believe that we could actually have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to, but to get it, you have to create a, a space that allows that to happen. Yep. Yep. And I think you also have to know what you want. I think we, so many of us know what we don't want and we're stuck. Also here's, but this is the thing with that too, right? So if we are constantly focusing on what we don't want, we're only going to continue to constantly create what we don't want. Absolutely. So, so, you know, it's like, all right. If I know I'm constantly thinking about the fact that I am unhappy, I don't know, with my job, that's, you know, or the baby hasn't come. And that's all I think about. You're just creating more of that. At some point, try and have the perspective to go, okay, well, what would be the opposite of that? Because that's actually what I need to invite in right now. Mm -hmm. I need to create space by inviting that in and just try it on and see what happens. And I, I, you know, I can pretty much know that if you, if we can be aligned to that and look, I, I can certainly say that in certain areas of my life, I am so good at this. And in other areas, I really suck. So I don't have at all, but I do have a little boy with a genetic condition and I decided come hell or high water, he was going to be healthy and he was going to be amazing. And I just continued to focus on health. I was not even looking at, I wasn't looking at anything else. I was not prepared to look at anything else. And if you tried to make me look at a part of him that was unwell, I would find the well part. And so I know that was the biggest example and and learning experience for me. And I don't get me wrong, as I'm saying, I still get stuck in other areas of my life going, why can't I do that over here? And it's because I'm stuck in exactly what I'm saying, focusing on exactly what I don't want to happen. But um, Geordie is definitely an example of that. And, and he is extremely healthy in a situation where he should not be. Uh, but, you know, we do feed the fears and we've got, we've got to be able to make these choices. And there are also certain areas of his life where, you know, 
I fed fears. I I can talk about this openly now. Last year, we had the Department of Human Services called on us for his care because they were um, questioning our um, ability to parent him in, in a manner that was with the system. Um, and so what was funny was when he was a little baby, I had this realisation that maybe if we didn't comply, he could be taken off us. And it was always in my mind. Whoa. I never dealt with it. And I, I really think that on some level I, my, I fed the fears. I invited that to happen. Now, it wasn't the, in hindsight, it was not the worst thing. It's probably the best thing that happened to us because not only were the department extremely sorry, and they still had to do an investigation. We still had a full investigation done. But they did turn around and they say, not only are you fit and able, but we will never bother you again. So basically now you get to do things your way. Yeah, right? Like you don't have to worry. And I could have the conversations that I wanted to have with his care team to say, now can you listen to me? Because I've been trying to have these conversations for eight years and you're not listening to me. So it wasn't terrible. And so sometimes, and I can tell you, I probably did feed that fear seed since went from that time where I realised when he was really little Mm. that maybe that was a possibility, which allows me to then come back to that when I'm next in that same situation where I find something I get a little bit fixated on and feed the fear one or two things are going to happen so actually it'll probably take me where I need to go if I can nurture it in the right way but that I also have the ability to kind of use that to see it as a trigger and work out well hang on a minute how can I actually create space for what I want not what I don't want exactly Mm -hmm. because the universe is always conspiring for us, even if it doesn't feel it in the time. So at the time, that felt like the worst thing to have happened, yeah, to have the department knocking I on your door. can tell you, I was beside myself. I couldn't stop crying for a couple of days. Of it was, and Chris kept saying, why are you so upset? There's nothing to worry about. They're not, we're, we're very, I mean, we'd tick so many boxes that I wasn't worried actually about them taking Geordie. I was mortified of the situation that we were in. Mm. I never worried about him or his care or his health because he's, he's, like I said, he's great. I was mortified that we would have a, you know, we'd been questioning our parenting, Mm. um, that we had to go and take him through a whole lot of tests that weren't necessary, that were invasive, that he didn't need, that he it comes with also um, an element of an emotional experience for him as well that I had to try and nurture um, and that we couldn't be as adults. We didn't get to make the decisions. And when it comes down to it, I don't necessarily get to make the decisions that I think are best for my children. And I understand that there's a system in place because there are people that, that aren't in a fit place to make those decisions or that they choose not to make those decisions but we're not those people. So uh, it was, it was really, I was, I was so upset for that reason. Um, and you know, everything always happens all at once. We had a whole lot of stuff blow up. It was at the same time that I unregistered from practice Mm -hmm. and I did like, it was just a whole lot of stuff all at once. Now they're the, now in hindsight, the best things that could have happened, you know, but at the time it feels really heavy. And we can use those markers or those standout points in our life that feel like the lowest points 
that next time we're back at that lowest point, we can look back and go, well, it kind of worked out. So I really need to trust the process. That is everything. I I completely agree with you. And also that, you know, I challenge myself to find beauty in those moments, even when they're happening, because there is always beauty in the pain. There's something magical about it. And it's, it's because we get attached to certain things and attached to an, a particular outcome and things don't work out the way that we think. But the future actually doesn't exist. We can, we can you know, have an idea or, you know, a vision. And really, at the end of the day, all we actually ever have is that present moment and checking in with ourselves all the time of like, is this okay for me right now? Like, what's happening for me right now? But yeah. I mean... I think that as, especially as, as soon as a baby is put in our arms, we're like, this, this, this means blah, blah, blah. We start thinking about the future. We've, we've already bought into the Huggies ads and we're going to have this lush carpet that we walk with no shoes on and just gently place babies in cots. Like we have these ideas and I feel like life is actually about letting go of these ideas of how things are meant to be. And, you know, letting go of the stories of what we've created for ourselves about who we are. I think in the letting go, part of the letting go is kind of like asking for what you want and then letting go. I think that's part of it, right? It's like, this is what I want. I have to let go of how I'm going to get there. Yeah. I just have to surrender. I think I shared once... I shared once about the river of intent. I don't, you know how we can have an intention for something. And so this is the way I think of it. It's like, you know, my intention is to interview Nat for the podcast. Which is, I mean, I could basically yeah. knock on your door and just yeah. go, yeah, do you know what I mean? It could oh, be anything. Groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty amazing moment when you said yes. Not really. <laughs> but um, like, you know, just Let's insert. Just say I'm Russell Brand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should have gotten a little bit closer up in the audience and giving him a big hug. Anyway, uh, my intention is that this is, you know, that this will happen. Then I just place that in the river of intent, which is all of the universal forces that will bring that thing to me if it's meant to be for me. So like or that or something better is my favorite saying, especially at the moment. It's if it's not this, something better. How cool. How cool is that? Because I thought this was good, but something better must be on its way. And it's actually out of my control. So I can sit with my intention and get really aligned within myself about what it is that I would like to have happen or to be or to whatever. And then I just drop it in that river. The river flows. The river's always flowing. And and then it's it's almost out of my hands. So it's a, it's the, it's the most beautiful act of almost surrender and trust. And I think that's what the sisterhood doesn't have is we don't trust ourselves enough. Mm. We trust each other enough. And, um, and, and I think because we disconnected somewhere not that long ago, and I think now we're just coming back full mm. circle again. I think we did disconnect, um, you know, definitely with the rise of, you know, I think we took girl power the wrong way. We took girl power as I had to stand out here on my own and, and definitely just do it my own way that, um, and you, you still get to do it to a degree, but you get to do it together. It doesn't mean you're doing it on your own. Oh. <laughs> I think that's where we got a bit like, oh, hang on, you know, and I'd see patients, I remember like 10 years ago, I'd see patients come in, still happens, but 
they'd be, you know, going through IVF or they would have had a miscarriage and they've told nobody. In fact, no one knew they were having fertility issues. No one knew that they were doing IVF. No one knew that they had a miscarriage. And that's so much to carry on your own. Whoa. Right? And so because they didn't want to be judged comes back to being judged again, right? They didn't want to say anything because they didn't want to be judged by whoever because they hadn't learned to deal with their own emotions. So Mm. (laughs) it's Mm. it's exactly what we've been speaking about from the beginning. But the solution is actually the sisterhood in the community. That's the solution. And more of that, I think that will absolutely, that can only have one impact and that's to drive out the, the, the negativity and the reactiveness and the judgment that's actually how we drive that out is by more of the good, you know, the more of the goodness of a community will drive out that it's, it's basically love over fear, more love, less fear. Yeah. Oh, what a great way to end. I'm just like, I don't, there's nowhere to go from there. We have just tapped out of this session. This session is done now. It's like, just so this is the thing I got asked on the weekend at an event, you know, um, what is it that, because I grew up in the country and what is it that we lack or what did it teach me that we need to bring into our life today? And that's what it was, community. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're all siloed off in our own little, I mean, becoming a solo parent and with, you know, other now, um, you know, I don't know about you, but it just, there's more and more in my circles of us doing it on our own or, you know, there's people who are co-parenting as well. It's like, why don't we just like get together and, um, and just live. Put a commune, babe. Yeah, I know. I'm going, I'm, I'm buying a yurt and we're just going to go and we're going to just gather around a campfire. Yeah. But, but the, but that sort of collective living, I mean, if you think about when I grew up, we were, I went to a Catholic school. So the church was a meeting place. Like everyone would sort of go on a Sunday, have a chat. Like it was, at least there was somewhere to belong. I don't, it's disappearing. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's what I think. And I think that's part of it too, is that we realized we didn't necessarily have to belong to a religion. So that's definitely part of the disconnect. Mm. That having that community with a central belief um, that did allow us to congregate together, support each other. We disconnected from that. And I, it doesn't necessarily have to be a religious group. You know, it could be a sports group or a, any type of community. But, you know, I mean, we're very involved in, for example, the kids started playing, Olivia started playing representative basketball. And I was like, oh man, it's a lot. But then the community that's created from that, yes. all of a sudden we're on the we're doing things we didn't think we were going to be doing in terms of, of, of organisation, administration, whatever. But but it's I think it's so important for the kids to see that we are part of various communities, whether it's a school community, whether it's a basketball community, a religious or a church community or whatever the community is. I really think that that's, that's where things fell away and now everyone's really realising, oh, actually, we all need each other. Yeah, come back. Yeah. I know my, um, you know, ready for changes and even the small steps, they travel around and, and meet each other. Like there's groups that they're, yes. they're having meetups in real life because also those online communities can be very real too, mm. but we all need that expression in, yeah. in real life I, too, I feel. Yeah. Well, that was a very random conversation. <laughs> I loved it. It was really enjoyable for me. It was just like we were just basically having a catch up yeah. um, and people have been able to listen to that, but we covered a lot of topics. Yeah, so. Thanks. Thank you for being you as always. And, you know, I 
people, I, I just assume that everyone knows you and where you are. I didn't even intro you. That's all right. They can find me. Where can they find you? It's just natcringooters.com. There's or natcringooters on every handle and there literally is only one. There's only one. <laughs> There's only one. I don't say that because I'm full of myself. That's just the reality. There is actually only one. <laughs> there is only one Lisa caught up as well. See? Look at yeah. us go. Look at us with our special names. Yeah, it's a I good know. thing. Yeah, totally. Thank you for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode. 